And welcome to That Horrorcast. I'm Mallory Smart. And I'm Dmitry Samarov. On today's episode, Dmitry and I are once again joined by one of our favorite critics, Scout Tafoya, to help us gain a different perspective on Peter Heim's 1997 creature feature, The Relic. To recap, The Relic is about a detective and anthropologist on their mission to destroy a South American lizard-like god who's on a people-eating rampage in the Chicago Field Museum. Listen to our previous episode to hear Dimitri and I discuss our initial reactions to the film and come up with the brilliant idea to do a rebuttal with Scout Tafoya. Whether any of our opinions have changed is hard to say, but one thing is clear. Two of us were sick and the other one was really tired, so this conversation is definitely a tad feverish at points. Enjoy. Hello? Muted yourself. Hello? Hello? Hey, how's it going? Alright. We're waiting on Scout now. Okie dokie. See if he's got a cold. Well, I think that he obviously would have a hard time catching it all the way from Boston. Who knows? see how how powerful a cold this is i do find it <laughs> hilarious i was just messaging my friend he's sick too <laughs> yeah yeah so must have been there <laughs> is blood sick uh no but he is like an amazing immune system he never yeah. catches almost anything the only time i ever managed to get him sick was when i got covid Ooh. yeah I'd, i don't get him that often yeah. A couple times a year or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't get sick too much. I I feel like I am definitely more of a cry wolf sick person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which really isn't good when I actually am sick then, because the yeah. event never actually believes me. Right. Yeah. Well, I figured we could do this. It's, it's just, this is kind of low effort, you know? Very much so, it's yeah. Not, it's, not, it's like... It's fine. <laughs> I think we can power through a, a podcast or two. <laughs> yeah. It's just at first I was just like, is my voice too fucked up? <laughs> well, we could say there's ga- uh, you know, there's guest guest hosts. Ooh, we have Scout now. Oh, Hello. all right, cool. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks very much. Please yeah. tell me that was Scout who sniffled, because that would have been hilarious. It was, yeah. <laughs> Are you sick? Uh, no, I just didn't sleep very well. Uh, okay. Because we, we both got colds probably at the same event. Uh, uh, so that's why we almost canceled this. But we're, we're troopers. We're going to power through because we, we need the relic out of our system. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched your essay about the relic i thought it was definitely interesting i think you should make some of your points to counter dimitri and i's okay lack of points <laughs> um, we made points they were just different points <laughs> they pointed in a different direction than, than they, scouts I think, points. They, I think they pointed to exhaustion <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they pointed to boredom to confusion you know yeah 
a variety of places. That's right. In locations. <laughs> and then um, when all else failed, we started talking about a funeral and shit like that. There you go. Um, I forget. Is this? Uh, is, does the show start when when we're all here, or does somebody hit have to hit record? Oh, I'm recording right now, but yeah. you could tell me whenever you want me to actually like cut it or start. Oh it no, I don't. I don't care at all. We can start whenever. Um, oh no, we've been going. Great. We we we've been talking for an hour. Where have you been? <laughs> no, we that's... haven't. That's that's not true. <laughs> um. Well, thanks for thanks for having me back. Um, of course. Uh, <laughs> fascinating to get an invite again in such a short time. This is uh, unusual in the realm of podcasts, where usually they're sick of you after one. Is that is, is that is that your general experience with with the with the pod in the podcast I mean, sphere? <laughs> I, I'm 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 being slightly facetious, but you know it's it's uh, you have to it's you know I think everybody wants the the broadest possible variety of guests or whatever, so they you know shop around for other people and then not you know, not us. Well, <laughs> we find someone we like and we just keep annoying you. That's right. I- <laughs> Um, we we just like uh, guests that don't ghost on us. In, in oh, sure, sure. Yeah, that, no. that, that's our standard for for invites. I think. <laughs> I think that only happened to us once, and we were like, "No, never again." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No more guests ever. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to do what makes sense. Uh. <laughs> but I think you are the only person we've had on twice, other than Dave. Was Dave on twice? Yeah, because I think he joined in on our Halloween talk with Duncan Birmingham. Oh, okay. And then he did Hell House as well. Right. Oh, I think he might have done three. Was he part of the Scream talk? Uh, I don't remember. Oh. I do not remember. You know, you'll have you'll have to contact our archivist and have them comb through the vast, vast records i like that they're just two sick people just trying to remember shit right now <laughs> doesn't, fuck, doesn't fucking matter nobody cares <laughs> you're a horrible podcast host Dimitri. <laughs> you knew that that's why that is that's true. why you that's why you invited me right <laughs> i'm sorry it's just like so you can I'm look better spotify immediately i'm just like the first thing that popped up was the magical jew that's a, dimitri he is the magical jew Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, just twinkling and sparkling right here over over the the phone lines or whatever these are fiber optics. I said Jew, uh, not vampire. <laughs> That's ma- o- only va- no; those are only the Mormon fake Mormon vampires uh, sparkle or whatever shimmer. What do they do? The, the know, Mormon vampires glisten something. <laughs> Wait till marriage. Oh yeah, they yeah, definitely always yeah. wait till marriage. They do wait. <laughs> they I'm still wait. going through our whole like thing. So Dave was on the Halloween. <laughs> we definitely did a Hell House. I just need to see if we did one with Scream with him because I know we did two Scream ones and we were really well. Bad we did at two that. Scream ones as the one as they came out. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't think he was on that, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh yeah, he is. He's on. He is on the there. First oh, okay. one we did. Right. And movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. That one. Right. 
So, Scout, you need to beat that record. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna like, chase what, yeah, when we tape our rebuttal to the rebuttal episode, we'll just keep we'll just keep talking about the relic. I was gonna, I forever. think you know, not that not that I <laughs> I don't not. love this movie, and I do, but I think that you're about to do more content about this than anyone has since its Probably. release. <laughs> I, I, I will yeah. say be, be, before you uh, launch into your defense uh, of the relic that at, at the at the literary event at which me and Mallory got sick, there was a there was a doll or like a toy of of the relic. The what's it called? The not the Cthulhu, whatever the fuck the it's called. Or something. Yeah, the the thing we never, yeah, the thing we never actually see in the movie. <laughs> you know. The thing that's obscured by darkness in the movie, but there is a kind of a shitty replica toy at this Brick of Brack Records. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Not, it was a vinyl a real figure no, kit. Real nostalgia hole that place. Well, Jesus. I mean, you guys are in you're in Peter Hyams's town there. You know, that's uh, Chicago. That's you guys should have all the Peter Hyams paraphernalia. <laughs> uh, I, we Did we didn't see so. any van. No Van Damme uh, dolls. I don't know. That's really his. Well, their movies. Claim. I don't know that those movies specifically were Chicago movies because Enemies Closer was filmed in British Columbia, and Sudden Death, of course, famously was in Pittsburgh. Because um, he's at he's at a Pirates game, I think. Um, I'm just uh, thinking Pete, no. Peter Himes and the things that he's probably best known for. Uh, what I don't is know. he best known for? I I, I mean. I would, uh, Penguins, not pirates. Jesus Christ. Um, no, Peter Himes was um, one of those directors who, in sort of a long tradition of of uh, artists who never quite got around to being pigeonholed. I think the thing that you could say broadly that he was known for was sci-fi. Um, oh, okay. Be- because in uh, the, the the movie that put him on the map was Capricorn One, which is sort of a conspiracy yeah. thriller thing, and that's got a you know realm of science fiction due to it. Um, it's about the faking of the moon landing, um, and uh, and then he made Outland afterwards, which was a big success, um, and then got the job directing uh, 2010, the year we make Contact, from the success of those two films, um, and then made crime films basically for the next decade, with Time Cop being the exception, and then. Uh, and then, yeah, and then The Relic led to End of Days, uh, which is not very good at all. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Sound of Thunder, more sci-fi, um, and a remake of Beyond a Reasonable Doubt with Michael Douglas in 2009, I want to say. And then, yeah, Enemies Closer to Date, his last movie, probably wind up being his last movie, which is a shame because I think he's uh, very good. And uh, his son, John, helped him out with that, and they collaborated a bunch uh, Peter Himes shot John Himes' first film, uh, Universal Soldier Retribution, which is a very interesting film. And since then, John's become one of our few dependable uh, genre directors in this country. Um, he just released a movie, uh, the COVID movie, uh, Sick. Oh, uh, that was him? Yeah, that's John Himes. Yeah, that was written by the same guy who did Scream, right? That's correct. Kevin, uh, what is it, Kevin Williamson? Is that his name? Yeah. Um, yeah, good movie. Um, and, uh, he made a movie that I really like called Alone in 2020, a kind of, a abduction thriller thing. And he directs and runs the show Black Summer on Netflix, which is one of the best 
things that that uh, network has. Everyone keeps recommending that. It's, I think it's wonderful. I mean, like the, the first season, you kind of get the sense of what it is, and it's very, you know, like kind of an obvious test run of a couple of stylistic ideas. But um, the second season is just phenomenal. Um, it's they actually like expand things a little more and give every idea the time that it deserves to get going. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's yeah. Peter Hyams, I think, wasn't really he 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 didn't become the kind of person that auteurists really glom onto because even though to me the visual style was completely his and completely obviously his from the jump, basically from his uh, his first movie. Uh, whose name is now escaping me, but it's a film about uh, girls at a boarding school. Um, and it's uh, a film to deal with the dangers of illegal abortions back in the day. Um, but, uh... Well, we're still here, don't worry. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. Um, oh, Our Time was the name of the film. Our Time. Um, but he also... Peter Hyams, in an interview one time, said that really the only thing that distinguished him in the public's imagination and or like to himself, because they were talking about how he had never been given an Oscar or anything. He said, yeah, no, I didn't. I never got an Oscar and like I don't deserve a Lifetime Achievement Award. As far as I know, the only thing that makes me different from a lot of other directors is that two of my leading men killed their wives. Because he directed. You got to be good at something. Yeah, yeah you got to have a thing. You got to have a thing. Um, yeah, Peter Himes uh, started out as a jazz drummer, and then uh, and then became a, uh, a a news anchor for a short period of time, which then led to uh, led to TV director, and then um, uh, his first two movies in 1974. One of them was a crime movie with Elliot Gould and Robert Blake. Um, rest in power, King. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you're really into these murderers, aren't you? <laughs> oh yeah, no, gotta, gotta, no, yeah, Robert Blake got it. I, I remember when he passed away. Uh, there was some some news like it was like Variety or one of those yeah. like completely feckless fucking things, and they were like, uh, <laughs> Robert Blake, like star of stage and screen, passes away. It's like, yeah, that's what we all know him for. Like, sure. it was wild. It was TV's Beretta. They were like, TV's Beretta passes away. I was like, yeah. that's not even a reference that anybody reading this is going to get now. Like, uh, it's just like, yeah, the star of In Cold Blood and Tell Em Willie Boy is here. Robert Blake passed away this week. It was like, you guys don't, you don't think maybe there was some other part of his bio that deserved to make the headline? I, I would have, I, my, my lead would have been the, the co-star of Lost Highway, Robert Blake. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, ultimately, a, a thing much truer to who he actually was. Like yeah, that, yeah, that's a. It was document. It was about he played himself in that one. I think. Very much, he played himself. <laughs> yeah, fucking lunatic. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just a just a terrible, terrible guy who gave off the weirdest fucking energy his entire life, and then uh, proved to everyone why he did that because he was always a murderer. Just there was a re- there was a regular at the shitty four o'clock bar where I first bartended, that was like the spinning image of Robert Blake. That's no good. There was this little guy, like creepy little guy, you know, like that looked like he could just go on a rampage at any moment. Yeah, yeah. 
love to avoid people like that, but when you work in the service industry, you can't. Um, no, you don't have that. That's not a choice that's given not, to you. No, it's yeah, literally, yeah. There's not. I, I when I worked in the record store in uh, Doylestown for a lot of years, we had so many customers that were just like you, you. You did something. I don't know what it is, but you fucking did something, and I don't love you coming in here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, record store, yeah, and bars are famous for attracting, you know, energy vampires of various types. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We had a lawyer. We had a lawyer who would always come in and demand the, like, you know, like, person of, of local interest discount or whatever the fuck it was. It was... <laughs> And he was like a member of our record club or some goddamn thing. And he wanted 10% off of everything that he got. And this man always <laughs> bought do- like 99-cent records. So he came in. Oh, and he bought them for 90, 90 cents or Yeah, exactly. That's exactly ago. right. Yeah, he literally <laughs> would come in. He'd spend an hour being fucking weird. And then he would like leave with, you know, 10 fucking Pat Metheny records all for 99 cents. And he's, you know, we'd be ringing him up. And every time he goes... Uh, you forgot my discount, and we're like, no, 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 we didn't forget. We just don't like you, because um, you're a fucking leech. <laughs> you're the fucking worst. Um, and he was just so creepy with the female employees. Yeah, it was great. Um, Speaking of creepy, so I've been looking, uh, surfing, looking around Peter Heim's uh, filmography, and I finally found one that I sort of liked, which was the Star Chamber. With my oh yeah, Douglas. there That's you go. That's kind of a fun talk about creepy movie. That's a creepy movie. That is a creepy movie. That like yeah, that, <laughs> that that final bit where Michael Douglas sort of like realizes his mistake and tries to undo it, and he goes to the building where those like you know kind of like drugged up murderers are living. Like that's a pretty that's a pretty good scene. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a movie with no heroes. You gotta love it. Yeah, it's basically. I mean, it's a seventies movie made. In yeah, the early I mean, 80s, it's but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've made the case, you know, many times over in several different pieces that, you know, Peter Himes basically started making Alan Packle movies the minute Alan Packle movies became unprofitable. Um, because uh, at the time, Parallel View was not a hit. And then, like, almost instantly, he was like, oh, well, let me be you then if you're not doing that. Because he made uh, President's Men which was, you know, a success on its own terms, but then sort of immediately turned to other stuff. Um, he made a like a Western called Comes a Horseman, and by the 90s he's making Harrison Ford, you know. Okay, so, horse. yeah, I could buy that. So Peter Himes is a very, very poor, almost broke man's uh, Alan P- Pacola. I, 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 I could buy that. See, yeah. I, again, <laughs> I, I, I trifle with the, the you know, the drop-off. But basically, Peter Himes, I think, had a better sense of what audiences at the time would sit through. Like Alan Pacula, I think was, you know, I think he was in danger of just becoming an artist and America, even in the seventies, wasn't going to put up with America that. hates art and they artists, which is an, a, an, another uh, title that Ma- Mallory, Mallory wants to use for an interview with me. <laughs> that was there a pull go. quote from, that, I, that came out of my mouth hole at some point. You know? There you go. There you go. <laughs> More than one. That, it's a it's a light motif. It's a yeah. It's whatever. It's it's one of the dead horses I I, I love beating, which yeah. is how America hates art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's they don't even they don't even yeah they don't even like like I don't know I guess they kind of like an impression of art because that's like why Ari Aster is so big now like mm-hmm. you know they like it when you sort of like can sort of present yourself as an artist and like certainly that guy in all interviews and public spheres or whatever is like oh man i've never met somebody who wants so badly to be perceived as an artist um of course he does yeah 
man. So he's an ambitious young man. Yeah. He sh- well, he's not young, but yes, he's ambitious. I mean, youngish. <laughs> I guess that's true, yeah. He's, he's, like, he's, he's a lot younger than me, <laughs> so he's a young man to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, you know, at this point, America doesn't like, uh, yeah, America doesn't like, it doesn't, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, we're in a weird place now, we've always been in a weird place, but that's, you know, I guess this is the thing is that you... America is a weird place. <laughs> America is a weird place. If you're, yeah, but if you're looking for, you know, there's a reason that when you call someone who happens to be an expert in Peter Hyams studies, that you know they answer the phone because they're not doing anything else. Um, <laughs> is, this is. <laughs> are, are you the are you the chairman of the Peter Hyams Studies uh, Institute? That's right uh, at the University of, of, of Chicago Cam- of Cambridge, Massachusetts. <laughs> of Cambridge, yeah. Well, it should make more sense. Yeah, my commute's long, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, you know, to quote fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman's Lester Bangs, I'm always home. I'm uncool. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is... Oh, this I, is, I, I did have a burning question about about your home. Why the fuck do you live in Boston? Um, <laughs> I love how you said that was going to be the first thing you wanted to, like, get at him about. Well, well it, no, it was, you know, it's a natural, it's a segue. It, it's, it's, it's during the flow of the conversation. I didn't want to just break in with that. Okay. <laughs> Before all the Peter, but when once we located the Peter Himes Studies Institute, then, then yeah, it became course. obvious. <laughs> well, I will say that, as in my defense, I don't actually live in Boston proper. I live in Cambridge, which is the People's Republic of. I'm the very familiar. Republic. There you go. Um, <laughs> that bar, that bar, unfortunately closed, um, and they opened it as New Republic in Inman Square a little while ago. Um, ah. But. Uh, I live here because I love, like, you know, autumn and winter. And, like, this is an autumn and winter town. Or anyway, it was when I was in college. Um, and I needed to be in a place that's, like, you know, I moved here because I like being cold. Like, I'm always, like, destroying the planet with air conditioners running all the time. And um, and Boston, when I lived here, was just, like, the worst possible winters ever. And I was like, yeah, no, this is what I want. Um, and... <laughs> Because it's it's cold without being like I don't know like I like you know in Chicago everybody talks about the wind being like terrible and like basically that it's you know inhabitable uninhabitable for you know a few months a year and it's like that sounds a little much but Boston to me was both picturesque and had all the seasons I wanted but now of course with fucking climate change our summers never end so boy do I feel silly people who say that about Chicago are just cowards yeah <laughs> Chicago's great and and. Boston's one of the centers of evil in the universe. I couldn't say that, but I'd like to say, Dimitri, what's your hate? You're from there. I'm not from there. Okay, you're from I, Moscow. I was, I was, I was forced to, I was forced to land there when I was seven, and I suffered through eleven years there or whatever. I never ever wanted to be there. Uh, it was never my choice. Kind of like we were talking about the, the, the horrible people that you know visit you and at your job you know you're right so no uh i'm not from there uh i I never liked it uh couldn't wait to leave and uh you know once my folks pass i will never go back there what is it that drew you to chicago i feel like this is we're slowly segueing into the relic so what made you want to come here origin stories yeah uh oh uh, art school uh they they let me transfer in the middle of freshman year I went my first semester of art school. I went to Parsons in New York, and I hated it so much. I needed knew I needed to leave, and 
uh, SAIC let me transfer in the middle of freshman year. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I ended up in Chicago. What were your what were your parents fleeing from uh, when they came to Boston? They were Jews the Soviet in Union. Were were Jews from Russia? Uh, but I mean, you know, presumably they had been Jews from Russia the entire time before giving birth to you. You know, like yes. what was what was the you know what was the final straw? I suppose, or was it just that there was suddenly like resources? Uh, there 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 was a chance. There was a rare chance to leave. Which was gotcha. there was only a tr- in the, when we left in 1978. There's only a trickle of people mm. uh, being allowed to leave, and it, we were part of like one of these weird, weird uh, deal, you know, backroom deals between you know the Soviet Union and and, and the West, where in America uh, for grain called grain Jews. Uh, they made a deal where they would let a few Jews out in exchange mm. for grain, basically. You're gotcha. highly at risk of me naming this podcast that. Grain Jews? Yeah. Grain Jews, uh, colon, the relic. <laughs> <laughs> it's brought to you by the Peter Himes uh, Studies Institute. That's right. That's of the, the People's Himes Republic wing. of Cambridge. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, uh, a, lo- a lot of the cliche stuff, you know, they want to try have freedom and, and shit, you know? Sure, yeah. That kind of deal determine their own fate mm-hmm. you, you were not able to do very much in the soviet union especially if you were a jew mm-hmm. like for instance you know my father uh who was like a big a big brain a student in in school uh was basically told flat out that he could you know there was only a couple of fields that he could go into in college for study because there's quotas for jews right uh, and so he went into mathematics, which is very, very common, but it was never a thing that he wanted to do. Right. Stuff like that. Gotcha. I don't know all the reasons they left, but his older brother had emigrated a couple of years ago, and that's the reason. And he settled in the Boston area, in Concord, actually. Ah, there you uh, go. Outside of Concord. Uh, and he sponsored us, and that's how we ended up in that miserable part of this country. Yeah, it does seem to be the immigrant story. I mean, I, I, well, yeah, I they all they them, all like, flock together, of course. Yeah. yeah, I always wonder what drew him to Chicago, and it's like his his parents knew other people here. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's very common. Well, you want you need to have some sort of infrastructure if you're going to a place that you know nothing about. You know, I mean, my parents barely spoke the language. You know, starting over completely. Uh, they needed something, some kind of support system. So. Mm-hmm. Having family and maybe some other immigrants uh, helped for sure. Definitely. Uh, right. So, but but you ran, uh, Scout. You 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 uh, on your own decided to go to that place, and it's just baffling to me. Anybody that I, does that, I I did. My 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 best friend lived up here. He lived in he he stayed here after school and uh, uh, lives in Watertown now uh, with his wife and her two kids and. Uh, so I lived in New York for a lot of years and yeah. got very claustrophobic and needed to leave. Um, yeah. And just the idea that I can go for a walk in Cambridge and just kind of see, I don't know, just like a, like a slight diversity of architecture and... Uh, I like, you were going to say people at first and I was like, isn't Boston the whitest place ever? 
Boston, like, Boston has a reputation as being the whitest place ever, and certainly the public image of Boston that gets out to the people is not a pretty one at all. The public, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I was a cab driver in Boston in the 90s, and it, it, it's the most racist city I've ever encountered. Well, I haven't driven a cab in Boston in the 90s, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I think by virtue of Boston, like all cities, eventually having to let in a you know, another another kind of evil, a different kind of evil, which is, like, sort of gentrifying capital into the middle of town, in a way. Um, you're, you're, you're fighting, like, old money, like, department store Boston from, from that era, you know, it's like the 80s and 90s, and uh, the fact that, like, Newbury Street, you can't, you can't buy anything on Newbury Street for less than $50, <laughs> like, you can't get, like, a basket of French fries, <laughs> like, um, but like, you know, the, the, the department store Boston of downtown is basically gone because, uh, nobody could spend that kind of money anymore. So they're like, it's, it's, it's very peculiar to see the sort of like shape shifting monster that is Boston is, you know, it's, you've got people coming from all over the world to study at MIT because of its, you know, reputation as a school that makes engineers, which just means that there's an influx of non-white faces in Cambridge and Boston, which it sorely needs. And, you know, certainly that's probably curdled a lot of the, like, horrible resentment that already existed here within the, like, indigenous white population, um, which I know is an oxymoron, but yes. uh, <laughs> the people who were the people who were here living here, you know, in their, like, you know, Southie enclaves, like gargoyles, just sort of, like, watching the world slowly creep towards a better understanding of itself, being like, you know, things used to be fucking better around here, and now I don't even fucking feel safe in my own bar. Like, you know. Yeah, Boston is basically Marky Mark. I was going to say. That's the Boston, actually, that's the Boston I learned about as a cab driver, not as, as a child because when I was a child I grew up in Brookline which is very affluent and and does have other a few other races mostly Asians and Jews you know but like right uh as a cab driver I really learned the very strict color line that that is in Boston and most of Boston which Bostonians don't know about is is not white you know yeah uh no, it's true. No, I'm, it's... I'm just as in like the, the peculiar, like you know, attraction to to, to shitty movies. You know, I'm, I'm very <laughs> curious about anybody who 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 likes that town. I, I've encountered very few people that are from there that actually will defend it. And I mean, so I don't know. It's, you ever yeah. walk around like the kind of outskirts of Harvard or whatever, and just kind of like I don't know. It's just it's it's just it's it's easy on the eyes. I had a different experience. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I mean, what we're getting at here ultimately is is a clash of aesthetics that you guys, you know, approached this movie from the realm of plot and... Hey, 30 minutes in, he brought up the movie. There you go. Like, you know, see, you, see you, you know the vibe of our show. We, absolutely. We'll do anything upon anything not to talk about the, the yeah. stated subject of the, of the show. Right, right. <laughs> But it's, you know, it's, but like, that's, that's exactly the thing. So like, I was, you know, listening back to you guys talking about it and like, just sort of doing the thing that I do where like, initially I'm getting like, you know, bent out of shape. Cause it's like, Hey, you know, I like, so you're angry. Movie. You're angry. Yeah. Cause we but have then, a different opinion than you. Yeah, yeah 
exactly right. And then you know you have to calm down a minute and then be, realize that it's you know it's a it's a perspective shift. And the thing that I can't you know start most conversations with movies about people, I always feel like you have to you got to basically just start from zero when you meet like especially like non fucking cinema studies people like where you can't just be like you know what's uh, extremely good is 1997's The Relic because. Yeah. It's the the reference points that just don't make any sense. I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who like is a bartender around here, and we were talking about like whatever fucking movie had just come out, and she was like, "It was pretty good." I was like, "Yeah, oh, I didn't like it." And she's like, "Well, what's the last thing that you saw that you liked in theaters?" And I was like, uh, "Creed 3. And she's like, "Oh yeah, that's a good movie." And it's like, "Yeah, but that doesn't fucking matter. That was literally just the last thing I saw, and it has nothing to. It's like it's just a. It's it, at that point complete abstraction um, to try to explain like you know the years of." Growing up on, like, horror movies from the 80s and 90s, like, sort of, like, instills in me a appreciation for the tactility of practical effects, which then sort of leads into me loving the, you know, the, like, actual sense of watching a movie shot on film because of the way that you have to deal with depth uh, and and tone. Okay, and- th- this is this is where we're going to completely disagree. Is that I, I I love all that stuff. I saw none of that in that movie. I heard about it in your lovely tone poem essay, but like the movie you were talking about was not the movie I watched. <laughs> you know, I mean, those were two different know, things. Don't take it too hard, Scout. Dimitri <laughs> hates a lot of movies. I yeah, which again, yeah, I got to wonder what you're doing on this podcast. But yeah, what do you um, mean? What am I? I, I'm expressing my opinions, which is what you do on these things. You, you don't know what? love Fair it, everything. Fair enough. I'm sure there's a. I'm sure we can compile a list of movies you hate, which would be at least as long as mine. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. But also, I was out here like just to give a good vibe of where Dimitri stands. He only watched one hour of Titanic the other day, and he'd never seen it. He walked out. On yeah. a hundred, on a literally a hundred degree day, it was a hundred degrees. I I prefer to bike home in a hundred degree weather to sitting through the rest of that shit. Missed the best part. I know. I I wanted to see this ship sink. That's all Maybe I wanted. You just gotten a beer and come back like forty minutes Ugh. in. <laughs> I, I don't go back in. Once that's... I leave, I don't come back. <laughs> that's what, that's but, one of my policies. Know, like, to me, like I don't know, like disliking Titanic to me is like that's that's an agree like an agreed upon contrarianism. Like I don't even really like Titanic, and I do like James Cameron. Like you know, he's a maniac, like every other you know, like at this point oligarch. In I don't. The American, you know what I realized? But, Fifteen minutes in, it, it's just the abyss too. And then the rest uh, no, of it is the Abyss 3, you know, yeah, like 4. I mean, the no. blue people, like the tall blue people are the Abyss 4 or whatever. I mean, He kinda. really loves, like, the mucking around in the water. Like, that's he really loves it there for some reason. He loves all that submarines and all that shit. Yeah, I know. He loves it. I mean, you know. And, that's where and, he, I, I, you know. <laughs> after, after. I have he lo- no idea why, like, it, this story popped into my head, but. Did you guys know that on 9-11, he was he actually... He was, yeah, at the Titanic. At the Titanic in a sub. That's right. That's, Bill Paxton Wait. was the one who told it to him when he got out. And yeah. uh, that's, that's everybody's jealous of that because if anybody had to hear the news about 9-11 from anybody, it would be from Bill Paxton because he was so gentle about it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going were gonna to say that Jim Cameron did 9-11, but... 
Maybe not. No, he's, uh, if anything, he's, he's since 9-11 become a much smarter political, like, activist where he spends money on, you know, like, campaigns and stuff that he cares about. And he's given a shitload of his money to um, coming up with prosthetic limbs for soldiers and stuff like that. You know, he's, his heart's in the right place. You got to hand it to him. You know, he's, I'm glad. He's, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be happy never to see another movie of his ever again. Well, missing out. Uh, no. Uh, I, I I still can't forgive him for the abyss, really. And this that's why I, the reason I never watched Titanic was the abyss. Now I had to ask you: Are you keeping up with modern movies for the most part? Uh, what do you, What do you mean by modern movies? I mean yeah, contemporary. Me. I go uh, all the time. I go you go all the time. All, I go to movies all the time. He's a critic. I mean, I go to movies all the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, but mostly, mostly not like blockbuster movies with a couple of exceptions. On, on that same day I walked out of Titanic, I also made a second attempt uh, to sit through Oppenheimer and lasted it an hour this time. The first time was half an hour and left. I will uh, say that movie ended up feeling a lot more overhyped. Like, I, I felt kind of let down with that movie. So there I mean, is, exce- but, you know, I tried, I tried, and... I sat the whole way there, but that was because you're, you're I paid a, a lot of money. <laughs> I, was I didn't like, pay a lot of money. I paid three dollars for money, that. and I was literally like, "We have a lot of popcorn. I'm just going to chill in the really comfortable seats with the popcorn and hope it gets better." <laughs> I mean, you know, I was asking a lot of Chris Nolan, but what are you going to do? I don't. Even, I didn't even hate Oppenheimer. Like, I think it was. I was to more me, different to it than anything. Yeah, I mean, and again, like I don't begrudge anybody. They're they're negative or so so yeah in answer to your question yes i keep up with current movies i mean like you know knowing that does not a movie like the abyss seem like a much more careful and interesting movie knowing where we went wound up as a culture well thankful thankfully well no i I don't these broad strokes things like as a culture like i don't give a shit about and it doesn't interest me Uh, uh the that movie. Yeah, but you're the, seeing the movies, the, though. You're seeing the terrible fucking movies we're making. Yeah, but it's like this, this our culture stuff is like that's just a generalization. It doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, I take each thing as it comes. I don't uh, like like we we're talking earlier about the relic. Whatever my we're looking for in there, I wasn't looking for anything. It was a movie that Mallory suggested because Joe Swamberg gave her a VHS copy and that I'd never seen. That's yeah, all I. Still, that's all I knew. You about. still went into. You go into movies wanting things from them, having experienced. You know. Uh, I want uh, them to be. I want them to be good. Yes, but I, your I try to go. Of good yeah, is not agree. everybody's version of good. No, but no. but each one is. It's all case by case. I don't have an agenda. I. I mean, you you could talk to many people that know me. They will never know. Uh, they will never predict what I like and I don't like, and neither do I. That's uh, some true I, shit. I have a. <laughs> I try my best to just have a like. If I know going in that I'm going to hate it, I'm, I don't go. You know, there's certain Unless things like I, I avoid. Like I don't go see Steven Spielberg movies because I know I'll hate them. I don't go see Robert Zemeckis. There's people that I've given up on, you know, because there's no point. I, I don't want to. I don't want to waste my time, and I don't want to hate something. Why would you want to do that? That's some weird masochism that I, I'm not interested in. I want to have a good experience. I want to have take in some sort of art that tells me something about the world, you know, <laughs> has some, some kind of point of view, some sort of aesthetic. And if when it works, it works. When it doesn't, it doesn't. 
like and chasing that that experience is what it's all about for me you know sure i want to have a good experience every time you know i I don't like this hate watching thing uh, is baffling. I don't understand that or guilty pleasures or any of these other terms that people love. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Don't get it. Not interested. See, I actually find that life's too short. (laughs) Because I've learned a lot of people like have different definitions for those terms. Oh, sure. I'm I'm sure they do. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, I had no expectations for the relic at all. Like pleasures. I'm all about like. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a critically great movie, but I, for some reason, enjoy it. Hate watching, though. I've been hate watching the new Sex in the City shit. That's terrible. But I don't know why I keep watching it. That 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 that's some self self loathing, Mallory. I don't know why I'm doing it. Yeah, why are you doing that? Well, don't I mean, do you're it. hardly Stop. alone. I mean, Stop you it. Know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of other people, but that's part of the nostalgia industrial complex. You know, like it's it's riot fest. It's all that like how nothing can be left to history and to good memories like it has to everything has to be revived constantly that's very true that's why we're getting a new exorcist movie in a couple of months oh jesus i heard about that see dimitri i told you i thought there was a new exorcist movie coming out there is indeed a new exorcist movie coming out and it's just yeah i don't get it i don't get so there there's a thing like if i hear that something is a remake my it's got for me two strikes against it like it's got a really high bar you know to hurdle for me to be interested if I hear it's a remake or a sequel, it's it's already like, it's tough. It's going to be tough. <laughs> As right. a horror fan, I'm going to piss everybody off. <laughs> I like the remake of Amityville Horror better than the original. I said well, the it. original isn't any good. I mean, like, you can you take your pick there. It's I like that. We, we talked about the I, Amityville I, I Horror. I did like it, but I like the remake better. I've never seen the remake. Ryan I think Reynolds. It's, he's, uh, he cuts an interesting figure in that one, which is not, you know, typical for him. Um, he's been good in about four of the 490 movies he's made. Um, he was good in that one Adam McGoyan movie, Nobody Likes But Me. Um, what what Adam McGoyan movie was he in? He was in a movie called Captive from 2014. Captive. I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, nobody did. I've heard of that one. I lost track of Adam McGoyan a while ago. I mean, again, you're you're not alone there. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it's this. I don't know. Like I, the thing is, is that like you know, to me, there's like it's not. It's it, like I, you know, I was I was listening to you psychoanalyze my 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 movie taste last time, and it's it's not <laughs> so much. Like, it, it became about the fact that when I was, like, first really starting out as a critic and seeing things that I really loved and was responding to and, and those sort of – we were still coming out of the, like, like TV and pure – like, like um like the Joel Siegel realm of, of, like, mainstream criticism. And so you could still sync a movie with bad reviews and it kept happening to shit that I liked. And so that sort of, like, put me on my guard for – you know, if this thing is being, if, you know, if the reviews are, are kind of blanket terrible and it seems like it, it maybe has a little more under the hood than like, you know, the reviews are making that's, that to be, maybe it's worth looking into. And I've been, you know, burned by that policy a million times over. This but, is where this whole unloved thing comes from. Yeah, exactly like, right. Yeah, exactly okay. right. It was like in college, you know, being obsessed with like another 90s monster movie, Alien 3. Like I couldn't stop watching that movie. I, like I was like transfixed by this thing. Who made Alien 3? Out. Was that the French guy? Or No, it was David the, Fincher. The, oh, Fincher made oh, Yeah, yeah. Him. Yeah. Obviously yeah, and it's, not enough to actually have seen that one. 
No, I mean, but literally this is the thing is that this is the cultural, like, you know, again, sorry, Dimitri, but like, you know, this is the thing that I was. (laughs) Don't ever be sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It's the thing that I was like transfixed by is the, the, the narratives of these things and how little they change. Like I would meet critics who were still working today, you know, and, and try to talk about whatever, like movies that for years were just like the line on them was, oh, that's a huge piece of shit. And it's like. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Did you fucking watch it? Like, you know, and, like, everybody's still telling the same fucking jokes about these things 40 years later. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It seems to me that there's a more constructive way to approach this stuff rather than consigning everything to the sort of dustbin of history when there were actual, like, like evidence of an artistic mindset at work. No, but are are there instances where you will agree that they do belong in the dustbin? I mean, like, yeah, like Inshon. You know, or uh, uh, I don't know it? that. What? What's Inshon? Inshon was the disastrous movie they made about the Inshon landing at the start of the Korean War um, with Lawrence Olivier as Douglas MacArthur. Oh, I mean, um, I don't know that one. Uh, yeah, quite <laughs> quite poor. He's reaching into obscurity now. Wow. That wasn't. See, this is the thing: is that that wasn't obscure for a very long time because it was so famous for having completely fucking failed. It was so. It was like a crazy expensive terrible, terrible fucking, like, post-60s epic that they were trying to, like, bring back epic filmmaking with, like, Raise the Titanic and uh, Inshan. And, I mean, this is, like, again, Heaven's Gate, which to me is an actual good movie that people still talk about, like, it's some famous disaster. Um, that Heaven's, w- I like Heaven's Gate. Yeah, yeah I love that film. Um, and, like, you know, still running into people in 2015 who were like, oh, yeah, that thing. It's just, like... Yeah, yeah, no, though. I'm not interested in Where, that. Whereas, you know, like, Ishtar is crap. I'm sorry. I disagree, though. I like that I, I, See, I knew, I knew you would like it. I knew you would like it. I like Elaine <laughs> May. I like her sensibility. Yeah, I, I, I like one of her movies. I like um, The Heartbreak Kid. Heartbreak Kid is good. Oh, New cool. Leaf is good. New um, Leaf I like, too. I, I hate that uh, the, the, the one with Cassavetes and... Um, oh, you don't like Mikey Peter and Mickey? Fo- I hate that movie. Why? I hate it. Uh, was a uh, our, our mutual friend Ben Sachs called? It's the whatever the cinema of discomfort or something. I don't know what the fuck he was talking. He was saying he's he's big on labels too. He loves the the, the big broad labels, but man, cr- yeah, talk about cringe. It's just it, it's just unbearable. Like those characters. Oh, yeah, but I mean the characters in the Heartbreak Kid are unbearable too. But they're funny. They are funny. <laughs> kid is why is why is like the heartbreak kind of like kind of chiming in why is the why is the heartbreak kid not available anywhere that's, that's uh, what I know. because again literally i mean you're talking about an ishtar problem it's that movie was so famously like and she had by that point rubbed people the wrong way by being exacting um that they just didn't give a shit like a new leaf happened to be owned by a studio that was willing to like be met halfway on rights and stuff and mikey and nikki but Heartbreak Kid, the rights have fallen to people who don't give a shit at all. And yeah, you can is. still you can still you can find Ishtar, but you can't find the Heartbreak Kid except for like shitty YouTube rips. You know that like, is correct. Yeah, <laughs> it's um it's one of a handful of movies that they can't like actually fix up to the way that I mean, literally like you know you like why uh, why is there no Blu-ray of every Kenneth Anger movie? Like you know it's just these there's just you need money and you need effort and we are not we're not really like we're like close like obviously like you look at all the shit that like severin releases and you know i'm like looking at their box set of evil nun movies and it's like clearly there's interest and there's money for a lot of things but i guess that's just some of this stuff you can't get over the one hurdle 
Like, it, yeah, it's it's real dumb and pointless now because anything, yeah, you can go on some Russian torrent site and find anything. So they may as well try to make a few a few pennies off of it and just release it, you know. Yeah, and I honestly on, on the streamers, you know, <clears throat> like everything. Everything should be on the streamers. <laughs> I mean, I think everything should be on disc too because streamers will fucking dump it in six months and you'll never see it again. But like, I yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and I think that honestly, a movie like A Heartbreak Kid has a real shot at actually finding another audience if you did a real release of it, just based on what's popular now. You yeah. Know? There's so much of the Heartbreak Kid and so much of the shit that gets made. Even that those terrible fucking Ari Aster movies, they owe a lot to the Heartbreak Kid. Like, <laughs> you know, like I I love that you hate Ari Aster. That just makes me laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> I really do. And you'll probably and you're probably like with with Ben and Cat, and you think M Night Shyamalan's a good director, right? I do. I love. Of course you do. Right. I, th- Im- there, images, there are some, some, it's some, some hilarious patterns like oh what a schlockmeister jesus oh, you <laughs> cares. the fucking movies are beautiful they're not beautiful they are <laughs> the images are beautiful nobody <sighs> literally like like primo brian de palma use of the camera from that guy i'll just throw out here i enjoy signs and i like knock at the cabin <laughs> all right the cabin's good good movie yeah. <laughs> uh, he he's like, Shyamalama Ding Dong's one. Of, he's one <laughs> of the ones that I uh, I put in the Spielberg and the, the the do not whatever the do not board or I what's mean, the the list uh, like what not a lot like no no need. Is there like a movie of his <laughs> that bother. you actually did watch that immediately were like nope to or uh, whatever came after Unbreakable uh, that was about the end. Signs. For me. <clears throat> yeah, signs. That signs was it. Ouch, that's the one I like. <laughs> yeah, good movie. I was in. I tell you this, this last time. This is one of my ten stories. I'm in the village. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, you know, I, it's took, like a rip off of like uh, young adults. Like the story novel. is is well worn. Obviously, it's been told yeah. a million times over. It's you know, it's you can like he ended up to actually pay a settlement to that author. I mean, and fair enough. That's fine. But that movie's gorgeous. Um, oh, my fiance <laughs> loves it too. Don't, don't worry. You're not in like. Yeah, no. They, yeah, well, no. Keep, I mean, you they know. keep letting him make movies for some reason. So obviously, because they keep making alone. money. What do you think? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> no, they're good. He's been listen. Listen. I'll like. I'll meet people halfway on like a handful of these things. But like, you know, speaking of you know, consensus bad movies or whatever. His last Airbender film, I saw that and I was like, oh, this is fucking terrible. And then I watched it in a bar with the sound off and I was like, oh, actually, this is beautiful. <laughs> like, I see what this is. You know is what, that- would it, what would fix that movie you make it really a masterpiece is if you turn the picture off. All right, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, do, do we want to talk about The Relic anymore? I, I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go through. I have like yeah. a couple of things. Oh, yeah. If you, if you had some stuff, we, you, have know, like you, have things, the, yeah. you have the floor. You have the floor. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll go through it. I'll go through it quickly because, you know, there's other stuff to talk about. But like, so, yeah, there was some question in your heads while you were going through this about Exorcist 2. John Borman did, in fact, direct it. Speaking yeah. of a movie that people hate but is actually good. Um and uh, he also made Zardoz, um, which is one of the great 70s movies. Love that film. Yeah, um, I love Zardoz. <laughs> Zardoz is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Exorcist 2 has problems, of course, and it probably shouldn't have been called The Exorcist 2. But, um, 
that's a good movie. It's funny. I, um, Mallory, you talking about Dominion, the the Paul Schrader uh, uh, prequel to The Exorcist or whatever? Did you see the Rennie Harlan reshoot of that movie, the one that they released in theaters? Mm, I don't know now. Um, <laughs> there are two versions of Dominion. Okay. Um, there's yeah, there was the big budget one that actually made it to theaters, and that was Rennie Harlan, who was fresh off of uh, Deep Blue Sea at that point and driven his Stallone car movie, which is very silly. Um, but then uh, the other one was by Paul Schrader, who did the Paul Schrader thing. Was you know, it's basically just guys having I a chat the about Paul Schrader one. Yeah, the, they're just having a chat about theology, and then there's the guy floating in the in the third act and everything. It's not really much of a horror movie. Um, no, I wouldn't call it that at all. I just like the whole archaeological dig and everything, and that actually made me think of the intro with the relic and everything, because I was right. like, oh, maybe it might be going into that direction. Right. No, I mean, you know, again, you know, Obviously, a lot of white people kind of being all colonial and shit. Yeah, but I mean, I think that, you know, credit to the relic is that it does ultimately, you know, punish the the guy by turning him into a monster that basically he's so obsessed with bringing back culture that he comes back as their, you know, mutant lizard God. It should have punished every single character. Like they they all should. I mean, it does basically. Not really. No, no, they're saved in the end. All those rich people should have been dead. You know, like in, in that movie, like, and the the relic should have been the hero. The the creature should have been the hero. I would have loved (laughs) more backstory to the relic. Like Kathoga. I would have enjoyed that. The the youth Kathoga's childhood? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love to know the origin story. I think Young Kath- like ba- baby baby Kathoga? Yeah. Well, I mean I think that, you know, what you're you know, they 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 gave him they gave I don't think that there's I think the idea is that there there can't be much story because it's something that you're creating out of, you know, native uh like superstition. Uh, no, he's yeah, yeah he, he's a golem. They poison uh, they literally golem, poison yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah. They, they poison the guy that uh, the, the archaeologist, and he becomes the monster. You know, and that's that's how you make it. And so there's not there can't be backstory. It's that this guy's hubris turned him into the thing that he went to go study. Um, so it's kind of like the fly. Um, but uh, I mean, it's, yeah, like we mentioned the fly a little bit. In last we did. Episode. We did mention the yeah. fly. We mentioned many things that were much better than the relic. That <laughs> kind of we, we're reaching to to have some some connection <laughs> to a very, a f- very confused movie. Well, I guess, yeah, that's why I want to know with Scout, because I think we both pointed out that there were a lot of moments where it's like, this could have been an entire film as opposed to pivoting off of it into maintaining this one storyline of the relic attacking everybody. Did you feel that way at all? Or did you think I, like I, as a no. whole, as one whole movie, it actually worked I mean, I think the thing, too, is that my my like conception of the story as a thing is going to be colored by, A, the fact that I don't really care about screenplays if I'm enjoying like what I'm looking at, and B, I first saw this movie when it hit VHS in 1998 or whatever it was, and just, you know, it was a big monster movie. I loved it. I loved big monster shit, and then this was the era of... Tremors and Mimic and The Faculty and Bad Moon and Anaconda and Lake Placid and even that other terrible alien movie, Alien Resurrection by the French guy, uh, Jean-Pierre Jeannet. Like, that's, what, or, that's who I was thinking about earlier, yeah, I thought. Like, yeah. Movies with people 
trapped in, you know, kind of industrial spaces with monsters was I couldn't get enough of that shit. I loved like even that terrible Godzilla movie had a sequence where they're doing that same shit because it was just in the air. Everybody was making a movie where your character everybody was trapped. Everybody was trapped in a tunnel. (laughs) Yeah. The the Roland Emmerich one. one. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, okay. where they're in Madison Square Garden with the little baby dinosaurs, or whatever. like God, that movie. I and I like Roland Emmerich, but that movie's fucking terrible. I'm um, a Roland Emmerich fan up in the house, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, I love him. Uh, Roland Emmerich is Stargate, right? Yeah, yeah. No. good movie. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I remember Stargate, the original Stargate. The original Stargate, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I love all the TV series, but that's it. Go I haven't on. seen any of the TV shows, but I, do, I, I did I see Stargate in the theater. <laughs> yeah, I like. I think that. I sort of I. In my memory, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's, but it's 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 a movie that like clears a very very tough hurdle because it's about one of the dumbest like anti-historical hypotheses, and yet it's still very good. Um, <laughs> which is the aliens built the pyramid thing. It's like all right, yeah. sir, but then the movie's actually good, so whatever. But anyway, um, yeah. So like that was you know I couldn't get enough of people in gross places fighting monsters you know it's at the time i was willing to overlook a lot if i could get to that point and so i just kept watching the relic for that reason and so then little things started slotting into place the more that you watch something over and over again where your brain is like oh that thing leads to that thing so i it just never occurred to me that there was too much going on because it was just the movie that i was watching you know and like when you're a kid you don't really you know make that that stuff doesn't jump out at you in the same way but I it's funny to hear you guys like going over and talking about like tones and themes and stuff. I'm listening to this and I was like, you guys are making this movie sound like Nashville. <laughs> it's just a monster in a museum. There really isn't all that. Much yeah, but to the, it. the 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 well, okay. I think I figured out what the problem is. You saw this movie as a kid. We saw it as grownups. Yeah, and that's the fucking problem. That's immediately uh, like neither of us had seen. I, I neither of us had seen this movie, and we came to it as. Both, you know, even though Mallory denies it, she is also a grown up. <laughs> She's but not I mean, a kid like, anymore. You know, I'm, you know, <laughs> like, I, 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 couple weeks. I'm accepting. No, this is, this is a very, this is a thing that we talk about this a lot, too, is like the age or whatever circumstances in which you see a movie the first time. It's such a huge, crucial part of it. So you you have this venue and circumstances. Yeah. So Scout, Scout remembering like seeing it like on VHS, like as a kid. That's that's a huge difference. So I have no idea what I would think of this movie as like an eight year old. I have no clue. Right. I can't I can't access. Well, I that, mean, you know? but the thing is, is that the movie <laughs> does have to stand up. Movies that Dimitri like would not be allowed to have watched. As a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're they're already too young for him. Like, Didn't allow. John. Yeah. Well, uh, like fucking Titanic. I was twenty seven when Titanic came out. I had no interest. Like, it has zero interest in Titanic, you know? I was seven. Right. If you're seven or, like, even, like, whatever, 12, and especially, like, if you're a girl, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I understand. Beyond, she got me. Yeah, I understand. There's In the fucking theater at the music box, it was packed. It was sold out, I think. People were, like, singing along and stuff, you know? <laughs> It's an epic song. You you just missed out on that. I'm the king of the world. I, I did no, sit. that I didn't like that part. I, I, I got that far. I think that's when I left was when I'm, I'm a king of the world. <laughs> it's a cringe moment when you look <laughs> you back. You know that it. was coming, didn't you? Like, you can't not know I'd heard that. that I'd heard like. that before, yeah. I was surprised it was so early. <laughs> I figured that would be like the crowd, whatever, the... 
his high, I guess that's isn't it? I mean, it's a thing. it's a full half an hour into that film. It's got to be. Yeah, but I was, I was no, I sat through a whole hour like out of the three. Oh, I see. I sat through a whole hour to the Titanic. Yeah. Yeah, some, of the, some of the cheese, but anyway, cheesiest uh, crappy CGI shots I've ever. Yeah, seen. it's it has the architectural renderings. They're like just it's so weird, like what he spent money on and what he didn't spend money on in that movie. I, I, you know, it's like, like you so know, again, strange. Yeah, I agree with you. That's I don't think a lot of that <laughs> which, movie is aged. Which uh, the, the same, which you did uh, uh, to your credit uh, in in your tone poem to the relic. You did mention the, the crappy CGI in the relic. Yeah, it's and every <laughs> every director in that period was experimenting with that stuff. You know, it didn't yeah. matter what budget level you were at or what kind of an artist you had been, as if you were making a movie that was going to be a kind of a four quadrant release. Everybody was experimenting with CGI before it was ready. Um, you know, it's still, it's still not, it's still not ready. (laughs) Oh no, I think it got it far more like, so why was the actual relic, the visual of the relic withheld so much throughout the film? Because I wanted to see Kathoga more. Uh, I mean, it's a matter of making the. I mean, there there are shots in the movie. Like I, I rewatched. Well, this is the other thing that I want to say. Yeah, like me getting getting on that movie's level when I was younger. I think endeared me to it, but it still has yeah. to stand up to the test of watching it today because. Like, you know, you can't just fucking trust who you were when you were a kid. You were a fucking idiot. You didn't know anything. Um, but that was, you know, so like I still, really I still. mean to your inner child. I, yeah, you gotta be. You gotta bully your inner child. You should, you should yeah. You should be, you should give your inner child the swirly, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like, I, like, you know, speaking of Spielberg, who is somebody that I have more positive feelings towards than Dimitri does, but like, yeah. you know, I watched fucking Hook as a child. That movie's fucking abominable. That's like one oh, of the worst sh- films ever made. Um, but Robin lo- Williams is like rolling over in his grave. Yeah, Why? he and Robert Blake, they can it's, take a number. Um, it's it's a masterpiece con- uh, compared to The Color Purple or Schindler's List. Oh, I cannot stand <laughs> The Color Purple. I've actually I've made peace with The Color Purple. Um, I used to. They're really making. Not like speaking it. of remake, I, I saw a trailer for the. New, there's a new one coming. They're remaking The Color Purple. Yeah, they've been uh, saying that for a while. They no, really I saw a trailer it? for it just oh, like in the last few weeks. I mean, you got to do that where you got to take all of the, you know, and I say this like it's like it's a begrudging thing, but I actually don't think it's a bad idea to remake the white directed stories of black people just so that there is historical record of people saying, you know, there's another way to do this. I don't actually think that that's a bad thing. Um, I don't think I I have no idea. Um, Yeah. And it may not be any good. We'll see. But um, no, I, I. I, I, I've been, yeah, as I, Mallory, I think I told you this the last time I was on, like going through the Spielberg movies and just talking about the camera and not talking about, you know, his, his political footprint and all that stuff, because I do think that there's a shitload of interesting stuff, even in movies of his that I don't particularly enjoy, you know, it's, it's the things that he's pointing the camera at and the way that he's pointing the camera can sort of be separated, you know, for the sake of study, if not in, you know, your mind for very long. But anyway, but why, okay. Why would you want to separate them? Why to talk about theory? To talk about film theory? To talk about why how okay, a movie yeah. is is put together? Yeah, that's um, that that's the thing that I, I never wanted to. <laughs> well, I mean, fair enough. There you go. Throwing it out there, I have the information for the color purple. It's uh, being made by someone who is known as Blitz the Ambassador, but his actual name is Blitz Baza Wooly. Never okay. heard. He's a Ghanaian filmmaker, so black. So I guess it would be interesting to see what the black perspective is on a 
black story. I would and say now long I feel overdue. Like I'm quoting freedom writers. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like literally, <laughs> this is the thing. Is it like I don't know this 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 director at all, and I would say best of luck. Like you're. It's I I just I don't think that there's anything wrong with this particular project. I do I really don't. I mean you know that's it can, it's it can better. yeah. I mean you know there you go. Um, but anyway, so the, the there are a handful of shots of the monster properly. But again, because you're you're dealing with the fact that they made this puppet and every part of it had to work and move independently, and they didn't quite have Jurassic Park money to do it. Um, it was a matter of what could you make realistic in pockets of light and keep it interesting from a photographic wait, perspective wait, but, wait, to the that, director. That that's ridiculous. They've been making they go back to Her- Ray Harryhausen. They've been making amazing like stop <laughs> motion like so that's you, and you can make it work and it looks much better than CGI to this day for me. No, no, no. I agree like with you. Movie, saying, like, Mallory's question was why don't you see more of the monster? Well, yeah, that, um, that's what I mean. Like, and they could have, so they could have done that. Accepting the limitations as opposed to trying to work with it. Well, I, well, no, I guess they're working with the limitations was moody photography because yeah, see you, the photography if, is the big problem in this movie. It's his, it's his like, endless move, movement and all that darkness, it just does nothing. Like, it just makes it confusing and, to me, kind of dull. And it's there's a big difference between, like, uh, vague and ambiguous, and this, is, this movie is vague, you know? <laughs> I guess, yeah, I, I don't know. It's almost like, I don't know, like a overplay, like an... Jaws kind of thing, so you know that the relic was coming. I didn't even notice that there was even a vibe with that. Like there is nothing. There is. There's this, there's the sound that he makes, and they've got the the, the sound he makes. But like yeah, and then no there's the Bernard Herman. Like, uh, well, there's no what? No, like suspenseful. Like ah, oh, it's coming. No, there are. There's a couple of times. <laughs> Not unique enough where you're like, oh, this is the relic. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Um, you know, like we're because you're barely seeing it. You need some kind of signal of like da 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 da. Yeah, I, I would just be uh, even with all your contrarian tendencies, Scout. I'd be surprised if you'd first uh, encounter this movie as a grown-up that you would be defending it. So, I mean, I can. I only uh, have so but hard. the one story to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, the, the bad the bad thing is when you you revisit a movie that you liked as a kid and it's terrible. Yeah, that, and that happens all the time. You know, I know that's why I try not to rewatch a lot of movies I liked as a kid because I don't want to ruin the memory. You know what I mean? Does ruin the memory? I guess like, I don't know. Shit like I, the the Breakfast what? Club. Yeah, terrible movie. Awful. See, this it's, is gonna be an age thing. I was gonna say I really hate that I rewatched Halloween Town. <laughs> What is? Uh, yeah, you, what you the shouldn't fu- have what, done that. Yeah. What, what the fuck is Halloween Town? <laughs> it's a Disney Channel original movie. I hadn't. Debbie I hadn't. Reynolds. That's right, Debbie Reynolds. Uh, I actually hadn't because I was not a Disney Channel kid. I didn't see any of these things. And then during COVID, uh, my girlfriend was like, um, "Can we watch all this shit that I used to watch as a kid?" So I downloaded all of these Disney Channel original movies. Um, what do you and we, have Disney Plus? Uh, I don't think we did at the time, or they didn't have good transfers of them. So, like, I don't know. I think we watched Xenon on the fucking Disney app. Uh, I don't think they had Halloween Town or some of the other shit that she wanted to watch. I don't remember what they were, but... Um, 
So was, Hall- was Halloween, yeah. whatever Halloween Town was, it was disappointing to rewatch, Valerie? It was painful. I can't okay, watch yeah. it anymore. I when loved say, it a lot as a kid, though. Yeah, I mean, but this is fine. Because, again, you're literally, you're, you know, there are things made for kids and there are things that, like, whatever. Right, like, so... I mean, the it, relic wasn't made for kids, but it worked for me because I was obsessed with monster movies. Like I, it, you know. it kind of is made for kids, but like yeah, I could I could argue, but I felt like it was kind of made for almost like teenage boys. So I saw the Breakfast Club in the theater like as a teenager. So it was totally it was genetically engineered for me, you know. Right, right. Did you uh, identify it, with one of them, Dimitri? Uh, I I mean the. They're they're all just parts of one person, you know. They're not... I know the specific archetypes. Who were you, Dimitri? <laughs> you were Judd Nelson, weren't you? Of course, oh, yeah. yeah. Of course, I was. No, you know what? You know what? Uh, identified with on rewatching it about ten years ago. I know you said the principal. Yeah, the principal. He's the only sympathetic person in that movie. But like, imagine having to good, ruin good your performance too. Ruin your yeah, Paul Gleason, uh, fucking. Ruin your fucking Saturday with these entitled shitheads, you know? Yeah. And have to babysit them? Like... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, he's, the, he's the hero of that movie. <laughs> I'll still watch that and think he's the douche of the movie. I, I, I don't think I like any of the characters in the movie. No, he's good. I mean, that was John Hughes. You have to hand it to him that he, could, he, had, he had a way with a turn of phrase and, a, and, a, and the right actor given those things. But in general, a terrible, terrible filmmaker. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, there are, like, three parts of fucking, what is it, Uncle Buck that are still funny, even if that movie's not particularly good. Um, I just like when he makes pancakes. That's it. Yeah, that shit's great. There you go. Or him punching the clown. Or, oh, you know. Oh, I got that one. Yeah, that's a good one. It's, you know, there's there are things that get out of those movies. I just think that he was so much in his own way with the fucking sentimentality that he couldn't, whatever. But, yeah, no, there are some people you cannot convince them that that film is not this, like, epoch to this day. You know, just this huge, important whatever. And it's like, yeah, man, but you got to fucking, I don't know, you got to grow up. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, this the, the kind of codifying of this, like, romantic uh, childhood, teenage years, I, I don't enjoy at all. I mean, it's it's part of one of the many problems with Zemeckis, but, like, oh, that, for sure. that, that kind of this, like, very, very right-wing conservative like view of you know the good old days very uh, much yeah i, I mean I, 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 I have a very i have a very like visceral negative reaction to where, wherever i sensed it i think i sensed it as a kid with uh back to the future oh yeah there's there something that kind of gave me the, the heebie-jeebies movie, about yeah. uh back to the future uh that this longing to return to this like imaginary 50s is like not a good fucking thing well, it's Mayor so, Goldie Wilson being, uh, <laughs> and and you know, and Forrest Gump is the king of all that. Like that's the apotheosis of all that. Of course, yeah, well, the that's ha- like happy, happy history, you know. Yeah, the most, well, hor- the more, most horrifying film in the f- history of film. <laughs> I'm not allowed to comment. It's my fiance's favorite movie. <laughs> that that cracks me up so much, especially as a. Well, it, it's not completely. Uh, Surprising, but like as a, for an immigrant to enjoy that movie. See, but I mean, that's part. My dad you, does no, too. That's my dad loves no. that movie. You're, you're. That's fundamental to me. To a lot of immigrant stories is again, how do you, how do you become the most American, having not been born here? Is that you glom onto the absolute worst t- tendencies yeah. in that we have to offer? I mean, like literally, you think about all of the 
conservatives still living in Miami, Florida, who like you know got out of Castro's Cuba and now hate the Democratic sure. Party because JFK well, fit. Failed to kill him. Like, you know, it's like, the same. It's the same thing that happened in the community I was raised in. So if you, you choose, it, they they swing way right. Yeah. When they get here, and I understand why, but it, it's still sad. It's yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, that's the thing. You know, it's become an essential thing in America is yeah. is that reactionary attitude that you know you're you you're here and you have to adopt the hatreds as much as you adopt the sort of whatever the. But the the, the baffling dream. thing to me is the people that that defend Zemeckis and his vision. You know that are that think of themselves as like liberals or something or free thinking. Well, no, because again, way. you know, I mean, not to whatever, but it's the same thing that I was talking about with Spielberg is that Zemeckis to a handful of autorists is not. A, you know, like some rational political thinker or anything like that. I mean, if anything, the the bizarreness of Zemeckis is that he is he has combined this starry eyed version of nostalgia for America's like small town origins or whatever, which were never true to be. But he himself is such a deeply cynical person because he grew up in Chicago with the corrupt political machine, and so he doesn't think that American politics work. And yet he makes these movies that are payons to you know the beauty of whatever because he knows that people will come out and see them. Like if you go back and watch Used Cars, like that's an extremely cynical movie that doesn't pretend to be. Optimistic. It's the only. It's the only one I like. I mean, honestly, same. Yeah, literally. But the <laughs> thing is, yeah. that it's the only good one in my book. <laughs> the the thing that people still attach to, and like I know there's a there's a huge huge number of of critics who appreciate Zemeckis purely from a visual and emotional standpoint point and i don't agree with them but i understand why you know a certain tendency within criticism to attach to this or that element that has less to do with the message it's sending and more in the you know the projection of but, uh its visual and, ideas and robert zemeckis is like spielberg's golem he's like a chatbot that spielberg <laughs> created he did yeah <laughs> you know I think robert zemeckis actually did a documentary about spielberg of course because spielberg's I'm his sure dad yeah. <laughs> you know he literally yeah he plucked yeah, him from obscurity. he made it. Yeah, yeah he did spielberg he did made, created him all, all over the place and like you know <laughs> yes. there are spielberg, i think was involved in back to the future right he produced it yeah he produced, oh yeah of course he produced all of his early stuff yeah. or if he didn't produce it he oversaw no, he, it he, yeah he made him yeah, he literally – he was the guy who <laughs> saw the script for I Want to Hold Your Hand and was like, you guys can make this. And then he let them write 1941 for him. You know, he basically yeah. like let He's John the guy Milius, pulling the – you know, he's like the, the guy – who was it? Charlie McCarthy is the doll. Sven Gali, the, yeah. Or, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Very much. I mean that pulling was his – Pulling the strings, yeah. He was, he was very much that guy and he gave money to a million interesting filmmakers in that period. It was just that Zemeckis was a kind of a, like a, an interesting exception because – because he was just a film student. He was just a very, you know, like terrible attitude college kid. And Spielberg saw him and was like, oh, you and I have the same weird thing, which is that we have this darkness in us we can't access. Um, so Yeah, which all- is like, where, where's daddy? Uh, every fucking movie. Dad, <laughs> daddy, why don't you love me? <laughs> and, and and I want to marry my mom, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, a relatable thing in America, you know. I guess it's, so. You uh, gotta you gotta consider your audience. You know, again, if these movies weren't hugely profitable, there wouldn't be so many of them. And that's you know that's yeah. why I have to keep going back to them because so they have made this culture. You know, since this this talk is nominally about the relic, was the right. relic a hit? Like, <laughs> it, did it do well? Uh, yes, it did. It was right. 
it was okay. it made money. It, it wasn't like a Elect, crazy not hit. like a huge hit, but it was, but it was profitable. Yeah, it was. Yeah, everybody thought it was going to flop because Scream had just come out, and they were like, "Oh, kids want you know postmodernism, oh, or whatever." Oh, it was released. Uh, it was post Scream. Post Scream. After they didn't. Wow. It was after Scream. It was not. Oh. They weren't in direct competition, but it was enough of a you know. Again, this was the the, the heyday of studio forecasters who were the dumbest people alive, but. Um, like, I mean, and Hyams had undergone the same thing because when he was making Capricorn 1, um, what saved him was the fact that Superman ran over schedule and they didn't release it until Christmas, which meant that the summer schedule for that studio, which I think was Warner Brothers, um, was free, which meant that they had the entire marketing budget for Superman to spend on Capricorn 1. And they literally, Dimitri, you like this, they called him while he was shooting um, something, he was shooting Outland or something, and they were like... Uh, <laughs> you're it's like you're about to become the luckiest Jew in London uh, because <laughs> they told him that all of all of the studio's money was about to go into Capricorn One. Um, That's nice. And, you know, uh, I don't know if I ever. I, I should watch that. I, I don't know if I ever saw Capricorn it's good. One. The, the the final set piece is a little hairy, but I think in general a very good movie. And if you like the Star Chamber, I think you'll see the roots of that yeah. in Capricorn One. Not least because Hal Holbrook is in it, doing great work as again the sort of you know he's always fun to watch. Hal Holbrook's oh, always fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, and like another Pacula connection, of course, because he plays Deep Throat in um, uh, President's Men. But um, right. anyway, so yeah, um, it was it, so it, it did well. It did, yeah. It did well. I mean, it literally, they wouldn't have given him end of days because Schwarzenegger was at that point looking for hits and, yeah. you know, they wouldn't have trusted him that if he hadn't done that. Um, but uh, No, but yeah, all but, that stuff, like what you just mentioned about the prognosticators or whatever, like yeah. the business side of it, like, interests me not at all. Like, I don't care. And I, I don't care about the critical reaction very much or how much money it made. I was just curious in this no, case. No, of course. Yeah, like, I mean, if, it doesn't If it allowed him to make but, more Clearly, he went on and, and made many more movies after The Relic, so... Well, yeah, so that's also kind of a checkered thing, because he made End of Days, which was a big hit, because it was Schwarzenegger, and you couldn't lose money on Schwarzenegger back then. Um, but then he made um, The Musketeer, which was a resounding failure, and then uh, Sound of Thunder, which also was like a famous, famous, terrible flop that nobody saw. Um, and they were right to do it, because it's not very good. Um, uh, but uh, he... He kind of sort of rebounded with Beyond a Reasonable Doubt and then um, Enemies Closer, which is very good. But um, uh, there was no sequel. I remember you guys talking about that. Yeah, we were wondering about if there's a Relic 2. No, because the (laughs) thing is is that this is based on an airport paperback by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. And so all the – that makes all sense now. There you go, right? It's got all that sort of, you know, Clive Cussler, you know, Dean Koontz kind of thing to it. And the reason that there wasn't a sequel is because there's a sequel novel – and they killed a bunch of the characters that you would have needed to make it, but also it just wasn't as big of a hit to keep going. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, all that stuff you guys are talking about, why are they obsessed with the hypothalamus? It's because it's in the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, there has, yeah, it, I will give this movie one thing. There's never been a movie that has said the word hypothalamus as many times as there this. There you go. And I've I think never heard one that said it before. And I watch Grey's Anatomy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> The medical geniuses at Grey's Anatomy have let us down once again. I know. Um, but <laughs> I, I, but uh, uh, um, you guys also talked about the movie should have had a script doctor. It did, actually. Amy Holden Jones was brought in to you know do the thing that they used to bring in female script doctors for, which is to 
try to make it more relatable to a, a female audience. Like literally, that was Carrie, the best she could do. I'm listen. You can talk up to Amy Hilton Jones, but I think I don't know. I think she did a good job because I like Penelope Ann Miller's character. I think she's yeah, like but you're a guy. Yeah, sure I am. But also, I'm a guy too, and I did li- I didn't like her character. Well, I didn't understand. Like I didn't understand her. Relatable at all? I mean, I guess the only thing I didn't I know what she was that like <laughs> maybe it might be. She's an evolutionarily biologist i must say like it might be theoretically harder for a woman to get research grants i guess that would be relatable there you go having to be pit against like a guy who obviously is being a little bit more bro he's more ambitious i don't think more ambitious i think he was just kind of smug yeah well i mean literally you know you're talking about people who are at this point making up the like 10 fucking smartest people in chicago like you know he's earned the right to be a little smug i don't know he definitely came off as like he didn't Earn it, like you mean the constantly being the, like the Asian caricature character. You mean I know. he's not a caricature. He is absolutely a, a caricature. He's yeah, and what the shit that she says to him, you know, it's like you know, calling him a gerbil and stuff. That's that, I don't well, I don't get that line particularly, but she's mad at him. I don't know. It's just you know, it's it's definitely a very like double standard issue. You could tell. And you're also pitting two people that very likely would not have actually gotten research grants easily against each other, which is odd. She just, yeah, the, as written, she, as I said in our show, she seems like the soft porn version of like a profession, like the sexy librarian or something. I guess maybe I take it a little too literally because, like, that's kind of where I was, like, gravitating in life earlier before I chose to become a writer, so, yeah. You were going to be an evolutionary biologist? Well, more archaeology. That's what she was supposed to be more in. No, she's an evolutionary biologist. That's what she says. Well, that's what she says, but that's not the kind of people that really work in the field museum. Well, (laughs) sure, but, again, it's based on a a fucking airport paperback. What do you want? And it was, you know... What what a com- complete waste of a of a setting that could have been so interesting and it was completely not used, like because it's not the field museum. No, <laughs> it's just the it says it is, but it's not. You know? Well, yeah, because they got to fucking turn the sprinklers on. Like literally, you can't ruin a museum for the, a movie. The, the the ridiculous. No, they use nothing of the field museum really. No, almost they had nothing. Sue, the dinosaur. Yeah, and, th- and that was it. Uh, and then the, that whole Fort Knox security system. Well, we talked a lot about that. Yeah. Well, again, you guys, you guys ludicrous. are you're it's you're you're making a movie at a certain budget level. You expect things to be done a certain way. I just feel like I don't know. It seemed like they were trying to make her a strong female character, but I never once felt that she was actually. Oh, I thought she was. I don't know. I thought she was relatable because she's full of. Tom Size were completely miscast as an action hero. He's not an action hero. He's an out of shape cop. No, but he's the hero. And every time hero, but every time every time she sees him, she just becomes like a a babbling little girl. You know, like no, no, she doesn't. I don't see again. I don't think it's meant to be romantic chemistry. I think it's meant to be people at weird ports in their lives who see something of themselves in the other, which is that they're obsessives and it's ruined their personal lives, and so they've become socially awkward. And I don't, again, I disagree with the the characterization that she's become, like, she becomes a damsel in distress. She literally kills the fucking thing through science. 
I'm not saying she's a damsel in distress. I'm saying that phrase was used in the episode. I I used it. I used it. Yeah, I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll stick by it. I yeah, because I wouldn't trust Tom Sizemore to save the day there. Well, I mean, (laughs) knowing what we know about him now, obviously not. But I don't know. I think that's a good performance from him. I think that playing an everyman was not something he was always asked to do because he was so good at being a kind of a spooky, you know, villain. And so I liked that they let him sort of indulge his his just kind of regular guy going about his day and dealing with life's disappointments kind of a mode because it wasn't anything like as a regular guy. He was still pretty fucking seedy. Uh, well, because he's Tom Sizemore, sure, but yeah. I thought he played it, it fairly straight. Just, I don't know, I, I feel like you could take a shot for every time he mentioned the dog. The dog comes up about three times. It definitely, did you count? I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was doing a rebuttal, Scott- man, I took the Seriously. Scott's got a like Excel spreadsheet, like with a lot of data on it. <laughs> All the data points. Point by point rebuttal. That's right. Like I'm I'm kinda impressed with this now. Hey, listen, you know. Well, how how are you can you not be impressed? He he made a whole like theme like what a movie video video tone poem thing in in response to our silly show. There you go. <laughs> Um, well, it wasn't, it wasn't the, 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 yeah, the video was years ago. The, the video I made like in what, 2018 or 19 or something, or no, I guess it was during COVID. I made that Oh, okay. Um, during the first bit of COVID. So that was like 2020, I guess is when I, ended up. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I, uh, uh, the, the other point you said that you weren't sure that the kids, uh, lived or died. They do live oh, to kill they? the kids in mimic. Um, the kids get fucking wasted in Mimic, um, which is a pretty bold thing to do. Yeah. <coughs> well, that's that's very unusual in, in mainstream cinema. You know, like yeah. you don't you don't. Yeah, that's a that's a big no no. You don't kill the kid, which I, I literally was, I always I, like when they kill the kid. But yeah, yeah I agree. Good. I just saw that last <laughs> voyage of the Demeter movie, which you know, not a masterpiece or anything, but they do. Um, spoiler alert: they do fuck up a kid pretty good in that movie. And I was like, okay, all right, I can dig this. What um, is that? What is that movie? What, it's it's a movie that's been in d- development hell for a, a million years. Um, I remember in like the mid two thousands, Neil Marshall was attached to it, directed at one point, and like I don't know, it might have made a decent movie out of it. But basically, it's based on the chapter of Dracula where they're moving his. his oh, so it is about the ship. Okay, yeah, that's that, exactly that right. Ship, that ship. It is a fairly literal uh, adaptation of that chapter <laughs> okay. of Dracula. Um, they've taken liberties, obviously, because there's a lady and there wasn't one in the book. And, you know, you can't have a movie without a lady. Um, and uh, I honestly, I was expecting it to be terrible because the trailers were so bad. But it, it was perfectly fine. I don't know. I had a, a nice time. It was, you know, not a fucking, not a masterpiece or anything. But um, it was, uh, it was an, a decent afternoon at the movies. Um, Andre <laughs> Overdahl, who made the Scary Stories movie a couple years ago, which I enjoyed. Um, uh you know, this is. I don't think that. I don't think that this studio system is capable of making like a, like the movie that it needed to be. I mean, like you look back at like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, and you're like, I don't know how this got through that many hands, but thank God it did. Um, <laughs> thank God. I love that movie. Are you kidding me? Of course like, you do. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. Every image in that shit. You could make a fucking <sighs> coffee table book out of every single fucking beautiful painterly composition in that movie. I'm telling you, man. This no is problem. what movies are. Movies are images. 
<laughs> Scout, I know a lot about images, and I'm sorry. It, they, it's just, it's a really, really bad movie. <laughs> I, I disagree. It's a very I bad just movie. disagree. I just fundamentally don't agree with that. <laughs> and there's many, there's a million places you could find much more captivating images than. <laughs> Not in fucking Hollywood. That, uh, no, a lot. <laughs> you know, in the in, in the filmography of of Coppola too. You know that that's that's pretty much the end for him. Uh, I I'm, I'm curious no, about the new one. But... Amazing. Have you okay. seen? Have you seen? Uh, you know, yeah, so you don't like those either. Which one? Uh, which, youth which without youth and te- Tetro and Twixt. Tetro was okay, but like yeah, it's it's the product of somebody that's not all there. Some, some, somebody that's fundamentally sort of, disagree with that. I have a friend working it, for him right now. He's still all, he's still exactly who he was in 1979. Well, you know, look, there's, there, there's a, a, a productive period in an artist's life. And most of them, they, they don't sustain the energy level. They just don't. There's very few artists in any field that have a good late period. Very few. I, and, I, I don't uh, think I'd that's be, true at all. It's okay. <laughs> Very few. I, absolutely, I absolutely most most of that. them fucking lose it. You know, most of them lose it completely. Like you know, Clint Eastwood, for instance. Again, so I know, I know, I know, I know. We, we've already we've gone through that. Yes, but, uh, yes. Picasso, like I can go on and on and on. Uh, you know, like a very few. Like Rembrandt had a great late period. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kubrick didn't. You know, like. Many yes, he did. did. Eyes Wide Shut is amazing. Nope. What do you mean, nope? <laughs> I've, I've, tried, I, I've actually sat through that movie three times, and it's just, nope. If that movie were on right now, I'd, I'd watch it to the end. I love that fucking <laughs> film. That's one of his best. <laughs> oh. Anyways. Anyways. Well, well thank, um, you for, thank you for taking the time to uh, of course, of reconsider course. and rebut and all that. I, I totally appreciate the effort. Of course. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me back on. Um, one. One. One last thing. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, the um, <laughs> one of the, the elderly financiers in that movie are um, uh, uh, Francis uh, something. I forget his name. But uh, Constance Towers is the uh, is the Dowager um, Field Museum uh, uh, donor, and she's the last surviving member of John Ford's stock company. Um, she was in the Horse Soldiers and Sergeant Rutledge, and she's still with us. Well, if if I'm ever on a, a like a bar trivia team, it's a very obscure Antis bar. I, I guess I'll have that ready for me. There you go. Well, go. She's a great actress. She was in Sam Fuller's The Naked Kiss, which is one of the mm, one of the greats. That's a great movie. That's a that's a good movie. Yeah. So there you Naked go. Kiss. She shows up. You know that great scene with her and the wig falling off. Oh my God! What an opening. Um, but uh, yeah, still, still, still with us to this day. I think the last, truly, the last person who worked with John Ford who was still alive. Mallory, I'm still, still here. here. I'm still here. <laughs> it's checking. It's a well doing a welfare check. Yeah, we're alive still here. <laughs> Good. So I, I, I think we, we, we did it. Yeah, I think we hit every point we can. I'm gonna say now you can move on to another movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we have a whole other movie we may or may not get to today. We'll see. Probably not today. <laughs> Maybe not today, but. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. 
for the yeah, of course. Yeah, let's right. do it again sometime. Sure thing. <laughs> 